0: I would like to begin by having you complete a sentence for me. Mary, Mary, quite contrary. Excellent. I'm glad you asked. The question from our gospel today basically is, how does your garden grow? We have in the gospel lesson two short parables. These parable stories are about seeds. But the parables themselves are about the kingdom. They're about the kingdom of God. And thus, they each start with the words, the kingdom of God is like. So to understand them, we know that we need to be thinking about the kingdom of God. In the first parable, we have a farmer who scatters his seeds into the field, And then he lives his daily life, going about his other chores. And while he tends to his garden and works in the garden, there is nothing that he can do to make it grow. Well, suppose his neighbor asks him, how does your garden grow? Oh, he may say, well, it's doing fine. The lettuce is up and the squash is vining out and the tomatoes are setting already. "Uh, That's good, says the neighbor. But I didn't ask how it's doing right now. But how does it grow? Well, the farmer says, "I, I put the seeds in the ground and I keep it watered and add a little touch of miracle grow. And with warm sun, it's soon it's growing. Okay, that's closer, says the neighbor. But that is all about what you do. I mean, how does the seed grow? Okay, now this farmer went to agricultural college, by the way, in Nebraska. So he starts to tell his neighbor about the parts of the seed, the endosperm and the epicotyl. That's that little baby leaf inside the seed. The hypocotyl and the radical. Well, that's that little baby root inside the seed. And about germination techniques and scarification And germination times. Can you tell I used to teach science? Well, very interesting, the uh, neighbor remarks. But that just tells me about the parts of the seed and what the seed does. What I mean is, how does it grow? Well, a farmer just says, well, I don't know. It just does. It's a seed. And that's what seeds do. That's exactly what Jesus says, the farmer in the parable and about the seed. The farmer goes about his business. He knows what to do with the seed, but he does not know what makes it grow. Why this seed grows and that seed doesn't. But it does what it is supposed to do. And it does it by itself. Meaning that it does it automatically. And it does it over time. Growing up in the Midwest, where corn is king, there's a saying there, it's knee high by the 4th of July. You ever heard that? Yeah. In other words, when you plant the corn by 4th of July, it just looks like grass that's about knee high. It's only later that the ears appear on the stalk. And then it tassels. And finally, the full corn or the kernels fill out the ears. And at that time, you have to grab it before the raccoons do. And that is what the farmer does. When the crop is ready, the farmer sends the sickle and he harvests it. So what is this parable telling us? The parable is about the kingdom of God, remember? Well, who brings the kingdom of God into existence? Of course, we know that's Jesus Christ. During his ministry on earth, he was proclaiming that the kingdom of God is at hand. And in the first parable, it's about him. Christ is the seed. He's planted into the ground by coming to earth and in his burial. The parable in the English reads, when the grain is ripe, And in the Greek, it says, when the fruit presents itself, Christ, of course, we know is the true vine. And he voluntarily presented himself as a sacrifice. And in the fullness of time, the Father sent the sickle, cutting him off. Remember what he said on the cross? My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? And then buried in the tomb into the ground. But Christ rose again. And he is the first fruit of the resurrection. First the blade. And how did this all happen? We don't. No, we don't. We only know what happened. We don't understand really how. How could an omnipresent God who created all become a man, a creature confined in time and space? How could an eternal God die? Well, again, we don't know. The only thing we do know is that it is true, and that it happened, and that from his death, he gives us life. Jesus would tell his disciples later, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And the seed does bear much fruit. And so in the second parable, the parable is really about the church. At first, the church was small, 12 apostles. But then it sprouted and grew. 3,000 were baptized on Pentecost. And it keeps on growing. First the blade, and but then the ear, and one day the full corn shall appear. And the Father will harvest all of the church and bring us into eternal life in the world to come. And so we, as members of the church, we are branches of the vine. The parable is also about us. How is it that we grow in Christ? How do we grow? We don't know. We don't know. Yeah, Get the theme here. But we do know this, that God has given us his word. And we know what we are to do with that word. We are to... We just said it not long ago. We are to receive it, read, mark, learn, and take it into our hearts. We're to hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn it. Well, what happens next? We don't know. But we know this, that just as it is foolish and useless, for the farmer to try to make the seed grow. It is foolish and useless for us to try to make ourselves grow. I remember one time with a science experiment of seventh graders in our biology class where we planted green beans in cups. And on the second day after we had planted them, When I came into the class for the biology class, I saw one of the students leaning over her cup going, grow! We know that doesn't work like that. And in the same way, go on Amazon. How many books can you find that tells you how to grow and be better? But you see, the farmer cannot make the seed grow, and we cannot make ourselves grow. But the farmer knows what he must do with the seed. He must plant it into the ground. He must water it and fertilize it and give it light. And so, too, we know what we should do with the Word. The Word waters us so that we do not feel that we're living in the sun-parched desert drear of life. The Word fertilizes us, and that is it encourages us. The Word gives us light. We do not have to walk in the ways of darkness, for we live in His marvelous light. How does the Word change our hearts and our minds? How does it change us from top to bottom and from inside out, we don't know. We only know that it does it because that's what it does, and it does so automatically. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and waters the earth and returns not empty, said the prophet Malachi, but will bring forth fruit, so that so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It will accomplish the purposes for which I have sent it. So, how does your garden grow? By the word of the Lord. It is the word of the Lord that created you. It is the word of the Lord that gave you newness of life. It is the word of the Lord that waters and sustains you. So stop struggling and start abiding in his word. The farmer does not make the seed to grow. We cannot make ourselves grow spiritually. But the word will grow us. The word will raise us up. And it will do it automatically. Because that's what the word does. We are living In his garden. Christ is the first fruit. And he, the word of God, is growing his church. And he is growing us as well. We're not stuck as little seedlings. He will raise us up as we abide in his word. First the blade, then the ear, and then the full corn shall appear all the fruitful ears to store in his garner evermore. For Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ shall come again.